to First Time Lord. I'm Daniel Levain, and I had never seen a Doctor Who episode until I started this podcast, and now I am trucking along, watching everything in sight that has anything to do with Doctor Who because I cannot get enough. And this week, I'm going to talk about the episode The Empty Child, which is episode nine from season one. And to join me for this mind-blowing episode is a mind-blowing Doctor Who fan, and that is Jenny Faye Berry. Glad to be back again. Very, very happy to have you. This was an episode that the moment I announced I was doing this podcast, you said, I want to talk to you about The Empty Child and The Doctor Dances. These are my two favorite um, episodes of the first season, if not my favorite episodes, period. Uh, There's a lot more episodes that come later on that are definitely near and dear to my heart. But these are the two that when I first saw them, I just, they made me smile. They made me cry. They just, every emotion happens Mm -hmm. in these two episodes. This, uh, this episode, I mean, it starts off with a bang. Uh, it's one of the most action-packed episodes in a while. And let's jump right into it. Uh, now, listener, if you have not had an opportunity to see The Empty Child, this is a great time to pause the episode, go watch the show, and then come back because inevitably this conversation will spoil the plot of the episode. So great warning. Jumping right in, we start with mode as the color of danger. Mauve. It's how he says mauve. Mauve. Okay, mauve. I, like I'm entirely too straight to deal in weird color shades. Yes. I, you know, that's the one straight part of the genes that I have. I see blue or <laughs> light blue or blue-ish you know, or right. red. There's no... Yeah, mauve, I I don't know what color that is, but that's the color of danger. Pinkish red. A a pinkish red. And it's the universally recognized code for danger, of course. Uh, Sure. Of course, naturally. Which I I, I love, you know, once again, a little bit of Doctor Who inserted at the beginning of the show. The whole, you know, oh yeah, humans and the red and uh, all the confusion it's led to. But no, it's it's mauve. It's mauve. mauve. That's the color of danger. Mm -hmm. Um, But... (laughs) Uh, so we immediately are thrust into this very different London than what we've seen so far, which immediately, like, as soon as they land in that weird alleyway with the little switchback and that, yeah, yeah, immediately yeah. it sets a it's very clear mood. And then another little Doctor Who maybe joke because as they're walking down and he pulls out the psychic paper again, Dr. Jones, Ministry of Asteroids? That uh, almost feels like an Indiana Jones joke. Yeah, he, he uses Dr. Jones, he uses uh, John Smith, he uses, that's oh, a generic name. Oh, hi, Cooper. Cooper's excited <laughs> to answer. Yes. Every time we talk, you guys are going to get to know my dog, Cooper. Um I don't think there's anything specific to that. I, maybe somebody who is a, a big, crazy Doctor Who fan might know more about that. I don't know anything specific. Um, I know he uses Jones and Smith a lot. He okay. just likes those names. 
it just did, you know, it once again introduced to the British government, you know, everything has a ministry, yes. uh, at least in the Doctor Who uh, episode. Uh, there, there was that uh, Slovene that was part of the, the Ministry of Confectionary Sugar or something. <laughs> so I love that there's a Ministry of Asteroids and Dr. Jones is investigating. Like that Rose has something like, give me some Spock or something. Uh, well, and th- yes, she she brings Spock back into it uh, a little bit Spock. later. Uh, <laughs> but that was that was also very you know trying to incorporate all of the fandoms once again. <laughs> um, so right away, the thing that hit me is this child on the top of the rooftop calling out to his mummy in a gas mask. That's a heck of a creepy image right there. Yep. <laughs> that <laughs> just. He's an awesome uh, cosplay idea, too. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes. He's really cool for cosplay. <laughs> I, I I think I'm going to hear that voice in my nightmares. Cause Are you that, my mommy? <laughs> I, mommy, Are you mommy? Mommy, mommy. That was just, wow. Yeah. Uh, so very quickly, we we gather, you know, as, as the viewer, I, I kind of figured a little bit uh, before they actually announced it, just based on the the. the clothing of the people at this little speakeasy that the doctor wanders into that it it is obvious that it's the middle of world war ii uh and that looking for things that are falling out of the sky in the middle of world war ii may be a little more challenging than the doctor initially thought because of the air raids that were conducted in london uh which were devastating to the city of london uh, and in this episode, they were clearly in the middle of. Um, but we get uh, we get a little bit more of uh, Rose in this episode being a little more adventurous than she has been in the past. Because immediately as the doctor is investigating the door and trying to go into this place to ask people for questions or to ask uh, the general populace, she gets diverted by that creepy child and just walks away from the doctor and then starts climbing a random floating rope. Like one would, (laughs) I mean, that, that felt a little weird for Rose that, you know, the first time she sort of emboldens herself to, to deviate from where the doctor is, you know, normally she goes towards the servant or, you know, the hot, cute boy, this time she, you know, it, maybe it's her motherly instinct. She, something drove her towards that kid. She's feeling sad for him. She, you know, wants to, the doctor didn't <clears throat> see him maybe. And she's thinking, gosh, somebody has to look out for this kid. <laughs> I don't know yeah. that I would have gone towards the creepy kid with the gas mask. I don't know. Right. Like in, like, in his creepy alleyway in the middle of the night. Like it, she's seen a lot since, you know, her first episode. So yeah. Maybe she's she's, not as scared of things as I might be. (laughs) She's definitely emboldened by it. uh, But I love the line that the doctor has in this episode uh, directed towards a cat of all things. (laughs) One day, just one day, maybe, I'm going to meet somebody who gets the whole don't wander off thing. 900 years of phone box travel, it's the only thing left that surprised me. Such a yes. great little tidbit <laughs> of like just showing you where the doctor is, you know, at this moment. 
he's not quite annoyed, but he's like, come on. Like, I turned around for like five seconds. Where could she have gone? Picks up the cat, starts talking to it. Whatever. Right. And then almost immediately, another really funny moment is uh, a phone in the TARDIS, which I guess I figured there would be somewhere in there because... It does look like a call box and there's signs that allude to there being some sort of way to alert the police. But such a cool little like vintage phone that he just pulls out of that little door that I didn't realize open until now. Yeah, so the the police box, it's supposed to have like an emergency phone in it, kind of like you see on the side of the highway or you used to. I don't see them too often anymore where there was like an emergency call box on the side of the highway in case you had road trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what these police boxes were around uh, the UK. So if you needed a policeman, um, you could go and you could call from one of these police boxes for help. And then the police officers knew exactly where to go to because the call came from that police box. Mm-hmm. So there would be a telephone in there. Um, but yeah, you don't think of it at first and then it starts ringing. But of course the TARDIS isn't connected to anything. There should be no reason for it to ring other than the reason why it is ringing, which is, of course, that well. And I love how the doctor has that moment where he's just like talking to it. Like, (laughs) how can you be ringing? What's that about ringing? What am I supposed to do with a ringing phone? Uh, See, as talks to inanimate objects, that really didn't phase me. But... Mm -hmm. Well, yes, uh, I I will admit that I also talk to (laughs) inanimate objects, and sometimes I make them talk back to me. Where is that? Right? He's like, why are you doing this? Why are you reading? You shouldn't be doing this. Well, but I almost took it like he was talking to the TARDIS in general. Like, this is a new thing. Like, after Mm -hmm. 900 years, like, you can ring? Yeah. It just, it was such a, like, lighthearted moment. Uh, for he, what is a very dark episode. He does uh, treat the TARDIS as a bean as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, absolutely. And I, I definitely got that feeling from that moment that mm-hmm. he's he's just letting the TARDIS sort of talk to him in a way. But almost immediately, you know, uh, as is the want of the doctor, he is going to answer the phone, even though... This creepy girl that shows up out of nowhere says, don't answer it, and then disappears. Yep. And once again, we hear that the, that creepy little kid voice, mommy, okay. are you my mommy? Mommy. Which, um, it is, it is creepy in a lot of levels, but there was, in the 90s, there was a series of video games that came out called Silent Hill. Uh-huh. Uh, and it was the first time that I've ever played a video game that was basically like playing a horror movie. And there is a moment in the video game in which you're wandering through this abandoned school and uh, a phone rings, which startles the heck out of you. <laughs> and when you go to the phone, the, there's this child that like talks to you. And this that moment in the episode completely evoked that emotion and that sensation in me, which gave me the creeps because here's that voice coming. And now the doctor doesn't get phased much by it other than, you know, it clearly triggers that 
inquisitive part of himself. But, oh, my gosh, my skin was crawling. Like, this is genuinely, uh, I've, I've discussed in prior episodes how some parts of the show evoke other shows or other moods or other genres. This was out and out like a horror movie. Yeah. Like, we've had some stuff that could be scary, but it wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. It's just creepy. Like, yeah, like I this this genuinely yeah. like made my skin crawl, and then he you know hangs up the phone and turns around and the girl is gone, and again you know all the spines all the tingles which is great you know since we're going right into the Halloween season here, and we're watching this creepy Doctor Who show. So good. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> so Rose hanging from that uh, rope ends up getting pulled off by some sort of balloon. And again, you're you're a bit more of an Anglophile than I am. I'm assuming these were like preventative measures to keep planes from flying too low during the raids, or what? What were these balloons? Do you know? Is that like a dirigible? Is that the word for it? They kept calling them something like. I forget the, the the word they used in the in the show to call it, but I, I honestly that I don't know. I I don't know what what those were um, used for during that time. Unfortunately, um, it could very well have been for that. That sounds like something we need to research. Yeah, um, I'll I'll have to read up on that because it, it it definitely like there were a lot of them. Eventually, as she's floating through uh, London. Uh, you know, displaying the most amazing, you know, feats of hand and arm strength I've seen from a regular shop girl. Right. You know, because how long was she hanging there? Uh, I mean, I guess when you're hanging on for your life, you're going to find strength that you didn't know you had. But I'm thinking, you know, she's floating over the Thames on that balloon and the uh, planes are flying by. I, I couldn't help it. I'm like, uh Apparently they the, were called the, barrage balloons. Barrage, yes. There you go. And they're part but, of the Royal Army. They're part of, well, yeah, they, 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 they had to have something they to do with. 1938 to 1945. Thank you, Google. There you go. They aircraft defenses. Oh, so there you go. By forcing the German aircraft to fly different routes. Okay, so it, yeah. it was a ploy to keep the, the, the planes from being able to fly or, or do certain things but so she clearly she gets hooked up to one that has come loose and yes. uh and all of a sudden there's this guy checking her out mm-hmm. using nice. uh clearly you know technology that does not exist mm-hmm. in that time and we get the That's name true. jack yeah he's not he's not bad to look at jack he is uh, definitely not a, a bad-looking man, and uh, right away, like she, he's looking at her, and he makes a statement about her behind, which the gentleman he's standing next to kind of takes offense, and on his way out, they have that playful moment, so very, very quickly, I gathered... This guy is uh, fluid, shall yeah. we say. This guy is not... Yeah, he's a he's an equal opportunity flirt. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, he Jack seems to go off and uh, captures Rose in a beam. 
Yeah, so like kind of a tractor beam kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And and here's a reference that a lot of people won't get nowadays because it's not as big an issue as it used to be. But he tells her to turn off her phone yes. because it messes with the signal. <laughs> And in 2005, kids, we were still dealing with phones that had a telescoping antenna because (laughs) you needed it, because signals were not all that strong. And telephones did mess with a lot of different frequencies. So I find it humorous that this super advanced technology is still somewhat affected by the cell phone signal. That she is emitting. <laughs> but she she does uh, turn it off and she gets taken into what is clearly another sort of another spaceship, I guess we'll call it, even though the TARDIS is not quite a spaceship, but it is. So this is the first time we see, you know, another not or at least we see technology that is clearly not human. But it's not from the evil, you know, Slovene or anything else. This is, you know, this is technology similar to the doctors. Is there anything that you can elaborate on this? Um, not really. Um, trying to think of the species that he says it's from. Chula? A the, Chula the, warship? Yeah, the, the, the Chula warship is what he says is crash and he's trying to sell. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think if we meet the Chulas again in Doctor Who, or if it's just one of those one-offs. Um, I think this is the only time it's mentioned, to be honest. Yeah, I, one, yeah. Once again, you know, the, he does say uh, later in the episode, you know, it's the, the last of the Chula warships. Yeah, I don't think it's anything that, honestly, we ever revisit. I think it's just a one-off so we do, you know, he, he does introduce himself to, uh, to, to Rose and what, what was his name? Captain Jack Harkness. Captain Jack Harkness. I learned that one quick. Yes. And <laughs> he uses, he uses the psychic paper on her, mm-hmm. which then she turns around and uses on him. Yes, and so is it now, is he reading her? Cause he says something about how, she it says that it, she's available. So does he that's see something? Yeah, that's what the second paper says about her that she's okay. very available. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> okay that that's that was that was a little confusing. So the psychic paper works both ways. It, yes. She sees whatever she wants to see, and he sees whatever he sees as well. If you're aware of how it works, yes. Okay, so it it sort of reveals a little bit about the person and what they, and what they see, right? If you are aware of how it works, like people that the doctor shows it to don't know what it is. So they see what he wants them to see. But in this situation, he was seeing things about her and she was seeing things about him. Yes. Cause they're both aware of it. And then once once introduced to Jack, I immediately like questions start firing in the back <laughs> of my head because he talks about a time agent. 
Is there anything that you can elaborate on the time agents? It's just something that he thinks she is. Um, It's not really anything that comes into play per se in, in Doctor Who. It's just something that he suggests she is. So she goes along with it because she's not going to give up what she really is. Mm -hmm. Um, So she plays along with it because that's who he thinks that he's going to make his little deal with. In a, in a very, she, she almost takes on the properties of the doctor because that's his MO is he lets, you know, people, if they say something, he lets people run with whatever that idea is. He very seldom corrects them to, no, I'm, I'm actually this, or I'm actually that. Uh, so in, in a very doctory moment, she, she plays along with the whole time agent. Now in father's day, we mm-hmm. find out from the doctor that, uh, issues with time continuity as we encountered in Father's Day would have been dealt with by other time lords. That mm-hmm. was sort of their purpose. So are time agents like an agency created by time lords? No, it's completely different. There's okay. there's some stuff with the time agents in um, some of the audiobooks and stuff like that, um, but they are mostly human or they're not um, time lords at all. It's it's not involved with the time lords per se. It's totally a different group of people that can travel through time. Okay. Um, it's just they do different things than what the time lords do, um, and it's just the name that they have for their group. Okay, because the it, it now now we're introduced then to there are other time traveling or time travel capable beings yes. Yes, there are. that are not time Lords. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. That's definitely yeah. something that that part will definitely be brought up again. The time agents, not so much. Um, but the fact that there are other people that can try and travel. Absolutely. Interesting. But I can't talk too much about that because spoilers, sweetie. I know most of the real deep questions I end up coming across end up being things that we can't really discuss, but just the, the, the ship. Then we get introduced to the little nano things that fix her hand. Which that is Um, specific to the Chulas. Right, right. Mm -hmm. He, he mentions that they sort of came with the ship. They're all over the air of the ship. So it sounds like this the, the Chulas were a pretty advanced race. Yes. In in what is quite possibly the most picturesque moment oh. of the show, we get this whole little uh I in my head it just felt like the, a scene in which he is both wooing her and trying to play her at the same time. Yes. And he very does quickly very well. I gathered I'm sorry. <laughs> and he does very well. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I mean, if you look like he does, I, I would hope that you would use that as a weapon. Just like Rose has used her femininity as a weapon, you know. Sure, why not, Jack? You know. But we get this really cool moment of him and her 
dancing on top of his cloaked spaceship, which he then uncloaks, right in front of Big Ben. With champagne. With champagne. And I mean, you, it, it, that that's a cosplayer's dream right that's, there, isn't it? Oh, that's like the best date ever. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I kept looking at his coat thinking, you know, I need to get a coat that looks like that. Yes. That's a bitchin' coat. <laughs> my, my notes for this are Big Ben scene, exclamation point, heart. Oh, uh, yeah. That's what I mean, my notes say. <laughs> The again, you know, the the show this this episode had a lot of really good moments of humor and levity, which were important because there's so much of the uh, and and we're not really talking much about it, but there's a lot of really creepy moments in the show. Uh, you know, there's the 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 girl that warns the doctor not to answer the call. And then we see her like scavenging for food and like clearly tending to all these children. Yes. And anytime, you know, that's happening, the the music and the mood clearly changes and it is very somber and very, you know, <laughs> dreadful in a way. You know, like it it filled me with dread just every time she was on the screen. There was that feeling of something is not quite right here. Uh, so it is nice to then have those moments of a little more levity to make the episode somewhat more palatable because otherwise it would just be a straight out, you know, dread fest for 45 minutes. It, w- it would have been a very, very dark episode. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But that, that scene uh, on, on, you know, in front of Big Ben and even the, the reason why it's parked in front of Big Ben, you know, if you're going to use a cloaking spaceship, whatever, park it somewhere where you'll always remember, you know, (laughs) such a great line, even though he can apparently teleport into this thing from anywhere, Mm -hmm. such a great line that, you know, to 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 add to the charm of this character um so the he 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 plays out the this idea that he's the one that threw the the thing that they were chasing at the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. he threw it at them to get them to come to this specific time and place mm-hmm. uh and that if uh if she's working for the time agency and she is authorized to deal, he's willing to sell her the ship, but she has two hours because the ship will be destroyed in two hours. Correct. Yeah. That seems like a ticking time bomb on top of whatever is happening with the creepy, are you my mummy uh, kids? And, you know, World War Two. Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like the, one stake after the other, you know, the, we, we, I've mentioned this in past episodes as well, you know, Dr. Who just always takes the stakes and turns them up to 11. So you've got the air raids, you've got this weird, creepy child chasing kids and the, the, the girl that doesn't, you know, seem to want to divulge what's really happening. Uh, and then you get Jack saying, oh, on top of it, there's this alien spaceship uh, that's armed to the teeth and I will sell it to you, but you have two hours to decide. Yep. 
That's, you know, that's intense. Mm -hmm. And then we flip it and we go to where the doctor has been and he's sitting there talking to the girl and he delivers, uh, you know, we've had a couple of other moments in the show where the writing has just taken my breath away. And he has, he has a speech that he delivers to the girl. Amazing. What is? 1941. Right now, not very far from here, the German war machine is rolling up the map of Europe. Country after country, falling like dominoes. Nothing can stop it. Nothing. Until one tiny, damp little island says, no. No. Not here. <laughs> a mouse in front of a lion. You're amazing, the lot of you. Don't know what you do to Hitler. You frighten the hell out of me. Like I, I thought that was that's a heck of a speech right there. Yeah. Because you know, we we are sitting on the other side of history now, knowing what happened during the London raids, what happened ultimately uh, in that war. And my gosh, that if I were that girl, I would immediately be filled with this sense of like purpose then not only you know whatever her survival instincts were uh, i i would imagine she would like immediately turn around try to grab a helmet and charge for the front lines because that was a heck of a rousing speech yeah and that's just his you know part of part of the doctor and his inspiration and just i feel like that's who the doctor is the doctor always inspires always inspires uh even in the darkest of times. I mean, that, that is the, the epitome of the example. Cause that is, you know, bo- both from the fact that the, the, this entire episode takes place at night to the fact that, you know, it is at the quite possibly the, the, the darkest of times for London mm-hmm. and that speech, man, it just, you know, <laughs> I I expected it to be, you know, delivered by a guy that looks like Winston Churchill, not, you know, the doctor. Yep. Um, but moving on from there, he goes into this hospital trying to decipher what's going on. And he lets he lets the girl go. Mm-hmm. And we we meet the other doctor, which in the episode as it came up immediately i was like wait what there is another doctor yeah i thought we said that he was the last of the time lords what the heck is happening they tried to confuse you that that, well that definitely messed me up until we see oh it's 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 an actual doctor like it's like an md Right. (laughs) You know, like, again, the show played with my, uh, the, the, the way you want to interpret things sometimes is literal. And then this point, you're like the doctor, right? like a doctor. Okay. I got it. I got it. The, the show, you know, has taught me so well to expect something that is not always literal. And so I was like, it's gotta be another time Lord. And then it's just the doctor and you're like, oh, okay, well played. <laughs> like I really, I had that moment in my head thinking, all right, all right, you, you, you guys did it. Thank you. 
I now now I have to be on my toes all of the time. Yeah. And I can never trust whatever is being said because you're going to manipulate me. Thank you. Thank you so much. In a great, wonderful way because it, it was really cool. Uh, but then that leads to yet another super creepy moment <laughs> of like the mask coming out of his mouth and it just talk about the stuff of nightmares this episode is just full of just i I actually wrote that as a note at the end of the episode (laughs) literally like all in caps the stuff of nightmares i like that they got more money for effects Mm -hmm. from from the first episode to this one um there was a line that human dna is being rewritten by an idiot (laughs) and i thought that's a great line that I mean that 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 goes along with uh, the the episode the the aliens of London where you know we see the the little pig and oh. then we find out you know the the aliens the the Savine have messed with the poor brain of the pig yes. and he says another line you know whoever did this is an idiot or whoever yes. did this messed this up really badly yes. and you know once again the doctor showing off how much he knows. He just sits there and goes, the DNA is being written by an idiot. Yes. Um, and then this doctor turns into the thing. It's and so in, gross and scary. And God, awful. you know, it just, again, I, the stuff, I, I am sure I am going to hear this in a dream at some point. <laughs> uh, and it, it will make John very happy to hear. But uh, in, in a recent dream, I had the pleasure, I guess, of hearing the god-awful sound of a Dalek saying, exterminate. <laughs> and it woke me from a dream. So I can I can officially say Doctor Who has infested my dreams. Uh, and John mentioned how, as a kid, having seen the original show, that was something that scared him so bad. So I'm sure John feel... Uh, feel joy in knowing that it is now haunting my dreams as well. Love it. Uh, right next to a bunch of creepy mask-wearing people going, are you my mummy? See, and I love the Daleks. They're my favorite villain, but it's probably oh because, gosh. like, I just, I don't know. I, I think, I, don't, I, I have sympathy for some of them. Well, it, and we, we talked about that in the end, the episode, that there was the, the, because of the the imbuing himself with the DNA yes. from uh, Rose, that he took on some of those human qualities. One of which is to fear, and one of you know one of sympathy. Um, that you know it made it a very complicated villain. Yeah. And I I was I was genuinely emotionally impacted by his decision to ultimately self exterminate yeah uh in a way that i was not expecting from this villain um with such a great voice and a plunger and you know well (laughs) special effects you know and the the grace the the great space dustbin i believe is what the doctor calls him yes um but but you have all these wonderful folks with gas masks on that are terrifying right and and the if anything that's what i love about the show is that it takes simple things 
and makes them more than what they seem. And the Dalek is a very simple looking design. And yes, very retro and very sort of, you know, almost cheesy in its, you know, 1950s depiction of what space and future was supposed to be. And yet it still makes it frightening. It still makes it scary in a way that I wasn't expecting. And here to make children hide behind their couches when they're watching the original show. Right. You know, and, and here you see this child, a symbol of, you know, purity and niceness. And he's imbued with this creepy look by just the, those masks were, those masks make anybody look creepy. Uh, and understandably so, you know, after World War One, uh, which was where chemical warfare was uh, deployed, you know, everybody in London was scared of those bombs having more than just uh, explosive agents to it. So, of course, gas masks were a, a regular thing, but they add this sort of otherworldly look to people wearing them that it's a very simple thing and something that in theory should be uh, seen as a, as an object of safety. And in this show, it's presented as this menacing thing that comes out of people's mouths and is integrated to their skin. And again, you know, Dr. Who just taking the simple and making it something really effective. I mean, it was very, an effective tool to create this, eeriness out of these characters well and think about the correlation of why do you have a gas mask well you have a gas mask because the possibility of somebody attacking you with bioterrorism is there so you're already scared that you have to have this available so mm -hmm. just seeing the thing makes you remember this is why we have it because this is a possibility so there's that mental and emotional fear then there's literally this person wearing it, but they're not quite wearing it. It's part of them. Mm -hmm. So there's so many different aspects of fear attached to that. It's yeah, it, it, it's brilliant in its use. Um, and yet once again, uh, a little bit of tension is broken when Jack and Rose wander into the hospital and she introduces the doctor is Mr. Spock. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, once again, everything folds in on itself and fandoms sort of get added. I was never a huge Star Trek fan, but I have enjoyed Star Trek in its very many iterations. And here's, you know, Doctor Who once again, just as if I had forgotten, reminding me, hey, Daniel, we know you're still there. We know you're watching. <laughs> and... You're welcome. <laughs> and it got it got me to laugh out loud. Like it was it was one of the there were a couple moments in this episode where I genuinely laughed out loud. And that moment definitely got me chuckling because it's very clever and funny. And, you know, even the doctor's reaction to it was a little like tongue in cheek and sort of really that's. That's what I'm called now. Because he knows she's been wanting to do it. Right. Ever. And she's like, oh, I got it in. 
<laughs> and you know, so it, 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 gosh, that, that moment made me laugh <laughs> right before, once again, it filled my head with this nightmarish idea of being surrounded by a bunch of creepy things <laughs> that of all things, you know, tying it back to the times we live in now, you cannot touch them. No. If you touch them, you will be infected by whatever yeah. this thing is yeah. that turns you into one of them. So all these things wearing masks have something mm-hmm. that potentially you get too close to them could give it to you too. Right. Wait, wait what? <laughs> what? <laughs> What's going on here? Right? It's Once again, this, uh, you know, the show creators are time travelers. They are. And they are commenting on the life we are leading, leading right now because, holy crap, this is a disease that is communicable by touch. And you end up wearing a mask because of it. So, holy crap. But that, that's it. That's the end of this episode. It, it, it's a cliffhanger. Yes. Uh, I think you knew it was a cliffhanger and I had a feeling because you said you wanted to talk about the two episodes. Yeah. So I was somewhat prepared this time, not like I was during the Alien of London where I got to the end of it. It was like, what? This, it's a two-parter? Oh, no, it's a two-parter. How did I not know this? <laughs> um, but uh, holy crap, this episode, man, uh, this episode is really, really good. Yeah. And I have a lot of questions about Jack. Is there anything else that you can tell me? He's wonderful. <laughs> he is. Oh, oh, you mean about his character. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> you are going to see a lot of Jack. Um, don't, don't worry. You're, you're going to get to know Jack. Um, he's, he's amazing. Also, the actor who plays him, John Barrowman, is amazing. Um, as, as, uh, somebody who is a big part of the fandom, I've probably met John Barrowman. Gosh, I'm looking at four pictures alone right now on my wall. Um, <laughs> six times, uh, he and Billy Piper helped me do a costume change in between photo ops once. Like, oh, wow. literally, we were like, we were like shorts and tank tops under our different cosplays. And he and Billy helped us swap out once. It was like a theater quick change. <laughs> um, so just an amazing guy um cooper agrees just an amazing guy he is top notch um as an actor he's actually from scotland originally and he has mm. citizenship in the united states um he is john barrowman does a lot of great things for charity and lots of great donations for different charities um lots of cancer awareness and one of the greatest things that he does at cons is he puts on lots of funny, silly outfits and he will do his photo ops in those yeah. outfits. And a lot of those, he will also donate to charity or do special events and things like that. So, um, John Barrowman is, is Captain Jack Harkness. Like just that charm that he has, that's part of who he is as a person. And he just is really, really amazing. And it's funny because I was introduced to him through the uh, TV show Arrow. Yes. Yeah, in Arrow, he's also very charming. He is, but he plays a, a villainous character he is, in that show. And you kind of like. Uh, yeah, I mean, ultimately, 
that that show has so many twists and turns with a, with its plot. But uh, it was it was interesting that I from I remember talking about Arrow with folks and mentioning his character, and people go, "Oh yeah, he's from Doctor Who." I'm Jack, uh, yeah. You know, so it, it is now. Uh, it's great to sort of be on the other side and, and understand, oh, okay, well, I can, I can see how this character would, uh, would make an impression because he certainly makes, uh, an interesting first appearance. I mean, his introduction is quite intriguing. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm ready to, I'm ready to find out what happens. So, um, I'm going to say thank you for joining me for this episode. Absolutely. It, it was super fun. I am glad we finally get to talk about it specifically. And as a listener, thank you for making it to the end of the podcast. If you want to support the show, please visit firsttimelord.com. You can find all of the previous episodes uh, that have been recorded. And uh, you can also find there a link to my Patreon page, which will take you to my Patreon site. Uh, you can also find me as Daniel Levain on Patreon and you can be a supporter there and also if you visit firsttimelord.com you will find a link to the First Time Lord merchandise which officially launched uh, now a couple of weeks ago but you can see we've got a few t-shirts available there and any of those purchases will also support the show so greatly appreciate any and all support and feel free to go to firsttimelord.com and uh, leave a comment under your favorite show if we touched on something that you liked or if there's something that we didn't discuss that you feel oh my gosh you should have talked about leave us a comment there and let us know but thank you so much thank you jenny once again and uh, i gotta go watch the next episode the doctor dances so that i can find out what's happening Off you go then. Do what you've got to do. Save the world. <laughs>